especially for these long distance races, it's almost a universal law that you're going to go out too hard and your power is going to drop throughout the event. And I've looked at enough power files from endurance events to know that it's it's almost always the case and it, it it's the same for inexperienced riders all the way up to pros i mean pros do this as well and theoretically it's not actually the optimal way to pace so if you have a power meter you can get a better sense of that and you can look at your power file after the race and say yeah i paced this thing horribly Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and today I've got Dylan Johnson and Drew Dillman with me to talk all about power data analysis. Training with power has significantly grown in popularity over the last decade, but there's more to it than just slapping a power meter on your bike and heading out the door. So stay tuned to hear some of our takes for analyzing these powerful training metrics. Today's episode is also brought to you by Flow Formula, so don't forget to use the discount code IgnitionPodcast when picking up your next order of endurance, sports-specific, formulated nutrition products at flowformulas.com. Again, that's coupon code IgnitionPodcast, one word, all lowercase, for 10% off your next order. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any questions for the show, send those to info at ignitioncoachcode.com with email title, The Matchbox Podcast. All right, before we get into it, let's take a minute to hear from Ignition co-founder Drew Dillman on the benefits of working with a coach to achieve your cycling goals. I've never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand. And it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co. Developing coaches, connecting athletes. All right, guys, we're back recording. Uh, We're missing Caitlin this week. She is in Brevard, funny enough. Same place where Dylan lives, but yeah, I told her I told her she could come over to my house and we could podcast together in person. But um, I don't know, didn't didn't work out this week. Maybe next week. Yeah, because I know she's not exactly a morning person, so maybe coming down the hill. (laughs) Yeah, and you don't exactly have. What are you talking about, dude? My studio is dialed. It's in your bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. Maybe one day we'll have a Matchbox studio. We'll get that big. Mm. Yeah, we would all have to live in the same place, though. If we get big enough, we could just charter private flights. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. You guys have high hopes for this company. 
<laughs> okay, uh-huh. so let's get into it because Dylan's only got like 21 minutes now. He's got an important yeah. call after this. So today we're going to talk about power data analysis, um, specifically like as coaches, like what we're looking for when we're analyzing power uh, or power, power data. So, um, you know, for workouts, for races, for different types of workouts, um, you know, kind of how, how do we dive into the, the metrics and, and what are we trying to extrapolate as far as the data goes? So first off question for you guys, um, I'm sure we can all answer this, but why should someone train with power if they're able to, you know, as, as in like what, what benefits does training with power provide over just using like rate of perceived exertion or even heart rate? Yeah. I mean, so when people are asking me what upgrade they should make to their bike, uh, which is a question that comes up pretty frequently. The the first thing that you should do before you upgrade the wheels or the handlebars or your frame or your drivetrain or whatever is you need to get a power meter. That because a power meter will make if you know how to use it will make you as a person significantly faster as opposed to making your bike marginally faster. Um, and so, why should you train with power? I mean, the alternative really is perceived exertion and heart rate, and both perceived exertion and heart rate are kind of imperfect metrics of of judging intensity. Perceived exertion can be way off depending on how fatigued you are, right? And and heart rate um, can also be way off depending on how fatigued you are or how much sleep you've had or how much caffeine you've had, all of these things, both of those met and, and versus power is just power. A hundred Watts is a hundred Watts. 200 Watts is 200 Watts. It's going to feel different depending on how fatigued you are, but, but you can look down and know exactly how much power you're doing. And it's not changing day to day based off of, you know, I don't know if you drank coffee that morning, it didn't drink coffee that morning. Right. Yeah. And even, even with, rate of perceived exertion and heart rate. It's also a gradient too. So like you might start off a 10 minute interval and the rate of perceived exertion is like a four, but then by the end it's like a 10. So it's kind of hard to judge that. You know, if you, if you just set it at a 10 from minute one, you're going to burn out pretty quick. Um, and same with yeah. heart rate, it's lagged. So, you know, it takes a you know a few minutes for your heart rate to kind of elevate to the point where you want it to be. So, you know, if you're, if you're going off of Heart rate, it can be, you know, it can be kind of hard to judge, especially those shorter intervals. Right. And um, heart rate and RPE are good and great. I use both of those, but um, they, they don't measure progress. Like your max heart rate is mm-hmm. always probably going to be mm-hmm. your max heart rate, no matter how fit you are. So like if you put in a bunch of training, it's not like you can see your progress through your RPE or your heart rate. Whereas with power, you can literally like track oh, I started at 200 watts and now I'm at 300 watts. Like, whoa, like that's some progress. And you, you don't get that same effect with power and or, or with heart rate and RPE. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So you guys as coaches, do you work with athletes who like, let's say are in, unable or unwilling to train with power? Like, was that like, will you still work with an athlete who just doesn't have access to power meter? Yeah, well, um, I mean, a a lot of people, a power meter can be expensive, although they're getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Um, But a power meter can be expensive. And some people, you know, buying their bike and their kit and their helmet and their shoes was already a lot of money and they don't want to throw more money uh, down right now. So I I can certainly understand that. Um, And if if they can, I will say that I will at least have 
have them get a heart rate monitor because if you're if you're asking to be coached off of perceived exertion I, I mean you need some way of measuring the intensity in my opinion um and and i i still think that heart rate is useful just because i advocate for power does not mean i advocate for throwing away your heart rate monitor once you get a power meter i think that using them both in tandem is the best way to do it but um I'll, I'll coach athletes that don't have a power meter. Yeah, I would. Um, I usually say like, yeah, if you don't have a power meter, we can get by with heart rate. Um, I say that, and I think like every athlete I've coached has always had a power meter. That's just if you're gonna have a coach, it's just like to optimize having a coach. It makes sense to have a power meter because then you get to really like unlock the full potential of having a coach who can actually look at power and all that. You're kind of like missing a huge advantage if you don't have a power meter and you have a coach um but i will i you know i totally would coach somebody who just has heart rate mainly because at least then they're tracking something and i'm not just taking their word for it because uh not because i don't trust people but i just like i want to see that you wrote three hours i don't want to just take your word for it um and if i can see a heart rate file that shows that you rode for three hours and here were your heart rate uh there's at least a little bit of analysis and data that can be uh taken from that sure yeah and and you know if if cost is a barrier but you have a coach and it's almost like maybe just hold off on starting with that coach for two months and save that money by the power meter and then sign up for coaching because the the benefits will um surpass you know the the, the cost pretty quickly um especially if you're working with a coach um so for you guys you know for all of us here what metrics as coaches are we considering when we're analyzing someone's uh, power data? Um, and let's let's start with just like generally, um, and then we can kind of get into how the you know the analysis changes for different key workouts. Sure. Well, so a, a power meter is essentially you know there's there's kind of two components to a training ride. It's duration and intensity, and power is measuring that intensity. And it, me- it measures it better than, you know, any other method like perceived exertion or heart rate, as we've just said. So like one of the first things I, I might look at is intensity factor, which is just a quick snapshot of how intense that ride was. Um, uh, for, for those that don't know, intensity factor is, is kind of like the, uh, the percentage of your FTP that you were holding for the duration of the ride. So if you were to ride at your FTP for one hour, that would be a intensity factor of one, but usually it's not that high. It's, you know, maybe if it's an interval session, it was like 0.85 or 0.9. And if it's an endurance ride, it might be, you know, 0.65 or 0.7, something like that. Yeah. And I think it uses normalized power for that ratio. Um, yeah, which, yeah. you know, de- depending on how consistent your ride was, your normalized power could be spot on with your average power or it could be drastically different. Um, sure. Should we should we explain normalized power for people? Because some people don't quite understand normalized power either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think normalized power is a key metric that, you know, all of us as coaches probably look at pretty closely. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, basically normalized power is an algorithm that takes into account the your average power output um how much variation there was in your power output Mm -hmm. and it turns that into like an estimation if you were to keep your um your intensity level 100 consistent for that duration 
it's going to convert to the the power that you theoretically could have held uh, relative to the the different you know spikes and in, in values that you had in your power effort. So, um, for example, if your if your FTP is two hundred watts, um, you can you can achieve that intensity factor of one point zero or you know two hundred watts in a, in a, many different ways. You can either hold two hundred watts for ten minutes, um, or mm-hmm. you could do like you know. 30 seconds on at 400 watts and then 30 seconds off at, you know, zero watts. And that's going to average out to 200 watts. Um, But what normalized power is going to try and do is it's going to try and estimate if you were to just keep that effort level consistent um, instead of spiking at 400 and dropping down, what would, you know, what theoretically could you have held? Um, And it is, it is, you know, somewhat theoretical. Um, We're not robots. So it's pretty challenging unless you're on a trainer to just go in and, you know, convert that into, you know, actual consistent pedaling. Um, and even on a trainer, you have to be using like erg mode or something where it's, it's holding your wattage at a very steady pace. Um, but, but, you know, normalized power just gives us a better glimpse at, into like, uh, you know, how hard the actual effort was um, relative to your, to your FTP. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I use, um, um, and normalized, use- normalized power can be really helpful too, because if, if you're, if you're riding in varied terrain as well, um, or depending on like the type of racing you're doing, for example, um, the effort might be pretty stochastic in nature. Um, so normalized power can be a good way to kind of compare files to each other, like compare, you know, rides to each other, um, where, you know, the, the effort level isn't as consistent. So your average power isn't the same, but your relative power through normalized power, um, you can get a better glimpse into how those rides compare to each other and go ahead, Drew. Yeah, back to the uh, intensity factor of the IF number. I use that a lot, especially in coaching. You know, I didn't use it that much before, but now that I'm a coach, I use it a lot because it's for, for a very practical reason is that uh, I can't exactly remember like all 15 of my athletes' FTPs. And so intensity factor just takes out that like, oh, I need to look up their FTP. And then I'm like, if I'm looking at intervals, because you can look at IF for a whole ride, like what Dylan was saying, but the way I use it most of the time is I'll look at IF for individual intervals because if they're trying to hit VO2, um, well, then I know that VO2 is just hundred about 110% of your FTP. And so if I pull up any random athlete of mine and look at their intensity factor on a VO2 workout, it should be right around a 1.10 because that's that's what the, the percentage of FTP of VO2 should be. So it kind of takes out like some of the math in my own head and simplifies it so a lot of times i won't be looking at a athlete's power necessarily i'll i won't say like oh yeah you held 300 watts for you know four minutes i'll probably say oh you held 110 percent of your threshold for three minutes or four minutes and so um that's that's just super helpful for me because it takes out some of that math yeah, for sure. So so how does your analysis of the power data change <clears throat> for different key workouts? Um, so, you know, I drew, you were just talking about like VO2 max intervals. Um, like, it, do, do you look at the, the data differently um, for, let's say, like an endurance ride relative to going through the different zones, you know, tempo, threshold, VO2 max, anaerobic? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think on the lower intensity rides, heart rate does become more of a factor. Like if I'm, if I'm uh, analyzing somebody's tempo workouts, I do, um, because like tempo is a sustainable power that, that 
it isn't one of those workouts where you're going to fail, you know, like you're not just going to not be able to hold tempo. You should be able to do a bunch of tempo. Uh, but so in that workout, I might look at heart rate and see how, how much their heart rate climbs throughout each interval. Um, so that's like, you know, comparing the two together, but then for those higher, higher power intervals, like anything over FTP. So like VO two power intervals, 30 thirties, uh, those I will look at like, when are they starting to fail to reach those numbers? And then also, again, I'm looking at power because if you're doing repeat efforts, uh, the trend should be that each each interval, your heart rate should go like a couple more beats higher and a couple beats more higher. Um, so like your max heart rate on the first interval might be 180, but by the end of the sixth interval, it might be 190 because you've just done a lot more work and your body's having to work harder. So I always get a kick out of looking at that, like seeing how high the heart rate goes through each interval. Um, but yeah, and then I'm looking a a lot of times it's consistency too. Like when I look at an athlete's Mm -hmm. power, um, what I'm looking for is like, I want to see that you're consistently hitting the numbers that you're shooting for. If we're shooting for mid VO two, well then if you go like, you know, guns out on the first one and you're, you're at like the very tip top of VO two. And then on the last one, you're like, not even able to hold it, well, then I would say, okay, let's, let's make this a little more consistent and shoot for the middle of your range. Um, and again, that's, that's through that intensity factor number that I use. Right. Yeah. And, and what about like, yeah. So, you know, if you're Drew, like, let's say you're looking at someone's, um, you know, interval specifically, how, how are you able to discern, uh, someone's ability to, to sustain that effort, you know, in that range? What, like, what, what specifically are you looking at? to tell you that like before the workout no no so like when you're when you're going through and analyzing someone's intervals let's say um like are you are you actually going in with the cursor and highlighting you know certain areas or is there like an easier way to go in and and just check and see how consistent someone's effort is i gotcha yeah yeah uh well hopefully they use their lap button because that is like a coach's best friend because then I don't have to go in and highlight because basically when I'm highlighting a power file, I'm guessing when you started and guessing when you ended based off of the spikes in your power. And that's an inaccurate, that's an inaccurate way of doing it. Whereas when you are actually on your bike, you can press that lap button and it will automatically cut those intervals out. Um, yeah, if there's an interval, like, I make, I basically make all my athletes use the lap button because it saves so much time and effort on my part. And then in training peaks, it's just like, or whatever, whatever power analysis, uh, data or whatever, what do you call that software that you're using? Um, it'll have like those laps cut off to the side and you can just click through those laps one at a time and it automatically highlights those intervals, which makes makes my job way easier. And it's usually like your Garmin will download sure. the workout anyways. And you can even have it set up to where it auto laps, uh, at the end of the interval. So for like a six minute interval, like yesterday I was doing some six minute intervals. I'll just press the lap button on my own. But, um, for 30 thirties, I'll, I'll make sure that I download the workout because I don't want to have to reach down and press the pow- like press that lap button every 30 seconds for like the whole hour that I'm doing it. Like, I just want that beeper to beep and do the auto lap every 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. So, and I, and I guess, you know, one of the metrics I was 
looking to get out of that was variability index um, or VI as, as you'll see on training peaks. And, and as a coach, that's a really useful metric for going in and just quickly analyzing a, a workout. So like if, if someone's doing a steady state or threshold effort, um, I expect that that variability index will be pretty close to 1.0 or one point, let's say 1.0 to 1.04, you know, kind of 4%. Um, that kind of tells me that their effort was quite consistent. Um, once that gets above like 1.05, then I know that like, there, there were some spikes and some dips and stuff like that. And that's usually when I'll go in and like uh, try and figure out what was going on. Like maybe they petered out at the end. So like, you know, the first eight minutes of the 10 minutes was quality, but then the last couple minutes they were just like, you know, out of the saddle grinding or something like that. Um, but once that, that VI starts to get a little bit too high for some of those more steady state efforts, um, and that's really like tempo through VO2 max, I would say. So anywhere from uh, six minutes or no, four minutes and up uh, in duration, um, the, the VI can be pretty, pretty helpful with that. Um, and, you know, we're looking for consistency there. And, and the further someone gets into a training block, you know, where we're working on a specific energy system, the, the, the tighter that VI should get because they're becoming more in tuned and more efficient at holding and sustaining power in those energy systems. So, you know, it should be more consistent throughout the effort. Um, versus getting those spikes and dips and something like a 30, 30, if you're just taking the, you know, 12 minute 30, 30, it's going to be super stochastic. Um, but again, if you, if you narrow in on those 30 seconds on, um, maybe you'll start to see a little bit more consistency there too, with that variability index. Um, so Dylan, so I know you got to get going here in a few Dylan or Drew and I will probably stay on for a little bit longer here, but, um, what else do you have to, to add as far as power data analysis and the importance of it? Um, and like some key takeaways for someone who's like just getting into training with power or like why it's, you know, crucial that they work with a coach if they, you know, if they're not sure of, you know, how to use power for, to their, to their advantage. Sure. Um, well, we've been talking about using power for training, but I think that what, I, I think that having a power meter on your race bike and using a power meter for racing, either while you're actually racing or after the race to analyze the race is actually extremely valuable um and i know some people like they they take their power meter off of their race bike to make it lighter i I personally would never do that um you there's especially for these long distance races it's almost a universal law that you're gonna go out too hard and your power is gonna drop throughout the event and i've looked at enough power files from endurance events to know that it's it's almost always the case and it, it it's 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 the same for inexperienced riders all the way up to pros i mean pros do this as well and theoretically it's not actually the optimal way to pace so if you have a power meter you can get a better sense of that um and you can look at your power file after the race and say yeah i paced this thing horribly i was my normalized power for the first hour was 250 watts and my normalized power for the last hour was 150 like clearly clearly i didn't do something right uh and you can also use it during the race um you're gonna feel so good at the beginning of the race that you're gonna look down and you're you're gonna be shocked at how much power you're doing that doesn't mean you suddenly develop superhuman strength it means you're gonna pay for it later uh which i think is the thing to keep in mind there yeah i would also say it, like it kind of depends on your racing because uh i never look at power for cyclocross like half the time i do I, take it off 
I do take it off. And this is for another very practical reason is because I don't want it to get blasted with a power washer in the, in the pits, which has happened before. And it's like fried a power meter. Um, so I, I usually don't race with one and, but I will race with heart rate because I do want some kind of data from the, from the race. And I think heart rate for cyclocross is a little bit better of a metric because you're so like on the pedals, off the pedals in a cross race that like, it's not very like when I go in and try to look at a power file from a cross race, I can't, there's not even really much to analyze except for maybe like when I died, like I could see like, Oh yep, that's where I died, you know, but I can get right. that with heart rate as well. So, um, cyclocross might be one of like the, the outliers here because I do definitely use it for road racing and for crit racing, um, in crit racing, it's actually pretty helpful because the laps are short and they're the same lap that you can see like, um, like where your spikes were on the lap. Uh, like it was interesting this year at, um, Athens twilight, like a big crit night crit race down in, um, Georgia. Uh, I didn't feel great and I hadn't gotten into like any kind of anaerobic workouts yet. And every lap out of the last turn, you go from a downhill to an uphill, but you have to shed a lot of speed. And out of that last turn, every lap, it was like we were hitting 700 watts for like 15 seconds. And that was for an hour and 40 minutes. And that was like every two or three minutes we're doing that. And I hadn't done efforts like that all spring. So it was like I went back and looked at that power file and I was like, yeah, like, that's pretty obvious why I didn't feel good because I hadn't done anything like that all year, but I could see from the power file, like, Oh snap. Like we were hitting some good numbers every single lap. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool to look at power for some things like that, but for cross, I feel like it's not that helpful. Sure. Yeah. And especially if you're, if you're the kind of racer out there who's doing, uh, similar races or the same races, especially season after season, um, it can be super helpful to have that power data. Cause like you said, now going into Athens next year, you know, you might do two weeks of high intensity, you know, tune up work just to get that familiarity and, in, in you know, some of those stresses in your body beforehand. So it's not, you know, completely uncharted territory come mid April or whatever. Um, and that can be really helpful for, you know, mountain bikers. Um, I mean, I know you said you don't race cross with a power meter, but if you do race cross with a power meter, um, you know, a lot of times courses will remain very similar year after year. So, you know, you could, you could go back and look at a, a power file and see if, you know, if there were, you know, certain spikes like that or, or whatever. Um, and it can also be helpful, like, like you're saying to like, kind of talk yourself off that ledge where like, you know, you had a bad race and you're trying to, you know, wrap your head around like, why did I feel so terrible? And it's just good to go back and realize like, you know, okay, we haven't trained that energy system yet. So like, it makes sense that, you know, I'm not as efficient at, at some of those efforts that, um, that we just haven't done yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm definitely planning to use, I'm going to go back and analyze, really analyze the power file from, uh, pro road nets. Cause there's that crazy climb. Like it's like a four or five minute climb every lap. And, uh, this year to train for it, I was just doing raw, like VO two, like I'd start my ride and see how long I could do VO two for, and I'd, but I, so I was trying to replicate that race, but really the way the, the race played out was like the first two hours of the race, we were probably going like tempo or threshold up the climb. We weren't actually going that hard up the climb, but then we started going mm. really hard up the climb the second half of the race. So it was like, now I can really dial in my training for that race this year and really try to like replicate that. 
a little bit more specifically because I have that power from last year that I can go back and analyze, which is pretty cool. For sure. So how do you use power to track someone's progress from, let's say, month to month or you know, season to season? Yeah, I mean, um, there's like all kinds of ways you can do this. Um, I think the most basic way is just to look at FTP. Um, in my mind, there's like three ways you can do it. The base, the most basic would be just FTP. So how you measure FTP is like a whole nother podcast, but I do the 20 minute test. Basically FTP <laughs> is the power that you can hold for about an hour. So that's, that's kind of like cast on FTP. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we did. Um, yeah, it was an earlier one for sure. So you can go back and listen to that. Um, Adam will put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, so you could do just raw FTP because that's kind of like the the golden standard for how to measure progress. Like everybody looks at their FTP and knows what their FTP is. Like it's it's like the number of numbers in cycling. So there's that way. And I think if you do that, that's fine. That's just the most basic way. But then where I fall is somewhere in the middle here where I do a four. Uh, when I do power testing with athletes, I do four different numbers. So I try to get their five second, their one minute, their five minute, and their 20 minute. Um, and so that kind of gives you a little bit of a broader display of their fitness, like maybe somebody. And then there's a really cool chart in like WKO that that kind of lays these four things out and, and in a graph form shows you which ones are lacking and which ones are strong. So I can see like, oh, uh, this rider is really good at their 20 minute number compared to other riders. And their, their one minute power is not very good compared to other riders. And so it takes like, I think what they use is they use like data from, you know, hundreds and maybe thousands of other athletes and kind of lays you out on there. And so you can, you can compare your one minute power, uh, to your 20 minute and see which one, like, where do you need to progress? And then the more, more, um, in depth way to do this is the power curve chart, I think. Um, power distribution curve, something like that, where it literally tells you like yep. what your power for every like different, like you could do it for your 10 second power. Your, you could just choose any time that you want. And this curve will tell you, uh, theoretically what your highest power at that time should be. So like I, if I'm doing six minute intervals and I want to try to max them out, I can go to this power distribution curve, go to the six minute mark, and then look at what power it says I should be able to hold. Uh, and what it's doing there is it's just taking like every workout that you've done in the last one year, six months. I think you can change how far back it takes workouts from. And it and it just measures like what your max effort for that duration was. Um, so that's like the most in-depth way to measure it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really great way. Cause like you said, you can, you can select different time frames. So like you can look at the 2021 season power distribution curve versus the 2022 season, um, you know, and say like, you know, depending on what kind of races you're doing and what, what efforts are more critical, you know, you can, you know, narrow in on that four to six minute VO two max duration and see, did you, did you actually make progress? Cause sometimes FTP doesn't tell the whole story or, you know, a lot of times it doesn't, um, we wish it was that simple. Like if, you know, just on the start line, tell everyone what your FTP is. And then like that determines your results and like, doesn't matter anything else, but like, that's not the case. Right. I mean, um, there's so much other, um, you know, contributing factors that are part of your fitness profile. Um, and that's where like capturing, you know, like, like, you know, you like to, you know, have those four, four different durations that you're capturing during a fitness assessment. Um, and that can be helpful because like maybe someone's one minute power really sucks 
compared to their 20 minute power, but they're doing, you know, steamboat gravel is their main race. So like, it doesn't really matter what their one minute power is. Cause they're probably not going to utilize that to like advance their position all that often. Um, but their 20 minute power, their FTP, um, that can be important, but also like something like, you know, what is their, uh, you know, aerobic capacity, like how much of that threshold work can they do within a workout before they start to burn out? Um, you know, how long can they hold tempo? You know, those are, those are kind of like important metrics to, or, or factors to consider. Um, you know, like a lot of athletes just use FTP to measure progress season after season. But like for myself personally, my FTP really hasn't risen the last three years. Um, but I've hit power records across the board this season. Um, because I'm just like, my fitness profile is so much more diverse and deep than it was like, just because my FTP hasn't gone up, my ability to sustain power at different durations has increased. So like you can still improve like a lot of these other metrics without your FTP really moving all that much. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering, can you overlay your power distribution curve? Like over, like, can I take last year's curve and put like, and put it on top of this year's curve? Is there a way to do that? I bet there is. Yeah, so there there is a way to do that. Um, I don't remember if it's in Training Peaks or in WKO, um, but yeah, you can do that. You know, like you can. There, and it essentially, will just it'll it'll create two or three or four different curves, and then you can see the different curves, um, kind of see where they intersect. You know, maybe you're maybe like we're talking about like maybe your one minute power has decreased in the last couple of years, but then you look back and you're like going from a crit racer to a gravel racer. So your 20 minute power or your, you know, 90 minute power has gone up. Um, and that's that, you know, that, that, that fitness profile is what you want to try and cater to the different events that you're doing. Um, you know, that's why not every athlete goes through this standard progression of, you know, starting at tempo and working all the way through anaerobic. Like, you know, it depends on what you're, what you're training for and what you're, um, fitness profile, you're trying to uh, adapt your body to, um, you know, to establish because it depends on what the efforts are going to be in the race. And, and, and even the race, you know, like, let's say you're doing, um, mid South versus steamboat, you know, mid South is hundred miles at sea level and it's very, um, you know, rolling terrain versus something like steamboat that has, you know, it's at high elevation and you've got just these long climbs and you're doing a lot of steady state effort. Um, so like, you know, it doesn't even like the discipline doesn't even dictate it. It kind of depends on what, what specific races you're trying to tune up for. Yeah. I kind of do something like that where, well, it's just that would using the charts and overlaying that would be way cooler than what I do. What I do right now is I just have a a spreadsheet. And so like, I have like Hmm. all of their prior one minute tests and five minute tests. So I can like just look up that column and see like what their, what their one minute power has kind of looked like over the last couple of years, just by looking at the numbers, but it would be cooler to show a, a graph that goes. With yeah. That. And, but, and if you're, if you're savvy in, in Excel, you can create your own power distribution curves from, from those numbers too. Right. Um, I was even thinking of that too. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did for a couple races, like if like big target races, um, and you can do it. I did this for a couple gravel races that were like long and you could take, um, you can look at a lot of different metrics, but I created these race analysis sheets. Um, so I did it once for the land run, which is now the mid South. And I looked at my last year's power data. So, and I looked at like my, my average heart rate and my average power for every hour of the race. And I, and I put all those on and I tried to make it into like this neat little, basically like an infographic, but I tried to put it all on one sheet of paper in my, on my computer. And then I put on there like 
like what, at what mile markers did I hit high power or high heart rates? Um, so that's like taking it a step further and like really analyzing previous race data and trying to use, again, all of this is like back to my, my boy, MC spandex, like it is all about performance. And so if I can gain something from analyzing last year's race data and know, okay, and it's, you know, at the land run race, it was like mile 63 was this Creek crossing and then this big hill afterwards. And that was where the winning break went the year that the first year I did it. And so I was able to like, look at that and see where the heart, heart rate spikes were. And then after that six, six, three, three mile mark, like at what point, like what power did I have to sustain to make the winning break, um, from, from 63 miles onward. So like being able to look at that stuff is, is super helpful going into events, especially if you're doing repeat events, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So last question here, Drew, before we, we wrap this up. So and, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but when when is it appropriate to just throw the power meter out the window and to just, let's say, go off feel, you know, go off heart rate? Like, when, when, when is it just power is just too much, you don't need it, you just need to go out and ride? My, my, my like, initial reaction is to say when you race, um, because a lot of the race is going to be based on how you feel and not on your power numbers. Like... And I was thinking about this before we started recording, but like I can look at I could look at the guy I pick any race you want and send me the winner's power profile and send me anybody else's power profile in the race, like tenth place. And I'm not gonna be able to tell you who won just by looking at their power like power info. Because that's not how races are won. We've already said that. Right. Um like I can't analyze the power power data and say oh yep this guy won that race like that's just not how it works it's whoever gets there the fastest and so um i think during racing you know there are very useful ways like exactly what dylan was saying where you can use it for pacing strategy where it does come into play but i guess when i think of racing i think of what i'm doing mostly which is like crits and cyclocross and very rarely do i look at power if anything i'll look at heart rate because then heart rate gives me a better display of like Oh snap! Like I'm, my heart rate is like jacked right now. Where I can't look down and see my power and say, "Oh no!" Like I'm about to blow up because of you know I accelerated too hard out of that turn. Like that's just not practical. But I can see my body's reaction to that, and um, so like looking at heart rate, I think is a little more useful during races. Um, another one would be like very short intervals. You know, like anything less than. Anything that I would dub as a power interval, I define a power interval as the highest amount of power that you can do for the given amount of time. So whether that's 30 seconds or two minutes, basically, you're just trying to go as hard as you can for that duration. And for those, um, man, I say throw the power out. But then again, like when I do those workouts, I'm looking at power the whole time because I'm trying to be consistent and all that. So um, so you'll even look at yeah, power, power like is for 30-30? Oh yeah, because I'm trying to hit like when I do 3030s, I'm trying to hit usually I'll set a uh a a number and I and I make sure I hit over that number for every single one. So sure. like recently it's been like 550. Like I won't let uh, my goal is 575, but I absolutely won't let it drop below 550 for every single 30 second interval no matter how many intervals I do. Like that's my standard. So, um yeah, I say that, but then like that, that's, I'm, I'm like using that. I'm using power for that, like the whole time. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess for the super hard sprints, like if you were just doing one-off 15-second sprints to really practice sprinting, in those, I'm absolutely not looking at power. If anything, I'm going back and looking at what my max power was after just to see like how high of a power I hit. But in those, I mean, you're like so focused on like sprinting that it's not even like you're not looking at anything. You're just sprinting. So I don't know. That's a good question. Um, Maybe. Yeah. And then another part of me says, well, I was going to say, I was going to say like another, another reaction I was going to think of was endurance rides. Cause you hear people say like, Oh, so nice. I, I took my garment off and put it in my pocket and just went for my four or five hour ride. And, uh, on those rides I say, no, I want power because I want to make sure I'm not going too hard. And so it's like the whole flip. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Like every ride I do, I'm looking at power, whether it's I'm easy, going hard, consistency. Uh, I'm always looking at it, which is, I guess that's the coach in me. Yeah. 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 So it was, it, it was sort of set up to be a little bit of a trick question. Um, you know, I, I framed it as like, when do you just throw the power meter in the trash? Um, and that, that answer should be never like, if you have a power meter, like it should always be on, it should always be calibrated. Even if you don't have power displayed, it should always be tracking in the, in the background. Um, like as a coach, like I get bummed for sure. Like when someone uploads their ride and for whatever reason, their power meter wasn't working. I'm like, ah, oh, like, I don't care if you didn't even look at power. Like I, at least I, at, in the background, want it to be working so that I can see the metrics afterwards. Um, and for myself, like I get real bummed if like I go out for a ride and my power meter is dead and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, dummy, like you should have checked yeah. that. Oh yeah. Um, like sometimes that for happens sure. and like if, if it, if that happens, um, you know, depends on, depends on what workout we're doing. But like if, if I'm doing an interval workout for sure, I'll just go back home and like fix it. Like I won't even, I won't even finish that ride until like I get my power meter back up and running. Cause it's just not worth it. Like it's, you know I mean? every workout, you know, counts to some degree. And if I can't track it or, you know, you know, use it for pacing or whatever, for those intervals, um, it's just not worth it. Like it's, it's, it's better to just ride the 30 minutes back home and plug in, you know, get the battery or whatever. Um, I usually try and bring a spare one with me anyways, but, um, you know, the, the, the only time I would say like, you know, or, you know, there are times, you know, I, I I would say two, you know, I, I think for racing for sure, um, you know, in, in racing specifically, anytime I would say the races are less than two hours, like going off of power just really isn't probably worth it. Cause like staying with the front group or staying with the pack or staying with, you know, whatever riders are around you is going to be beneficial, um, no matter what, because it's a short race. So you kind of have to just play to what's going on in the race. Like for example, this past weekend at a race to Iceman, um, and I hit like an all time 90 minute power number, um, my like normalized for the race was like 346. And if if you had told me going in, like, all right, you know, to get through this race and the place that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna end up in, like you've got to do 346 normalized for 90 minutes, I would have probably just gone home. Like I I, I wouldn't have been convinced that I could even do that. Um, and for sure, if I was looking at my power meter the whole time and like glancing down and realizing that my IF was like over one for the first hour, I would have been like, I got to back off. I got to do something. But like, I felt great. I was like on one of those good days where like fitness was there and like legs felt good. So like, I didn't look at power at all. And you know, when it, when it went back retroactively, I was like, wow, my, my power numbers were actually really high and it was really good. Um, and it helped kind of justify like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't super satisfied with my place, but I was 
happy with my performance in the end. Um, you know, it's like, that was an instance where like, if I was looking at power, I, I guarantee 100% my performance would have decreased because I would have been freaking out by the fact that like I was doing too much, too much work. Um, and then the other, the other time I would say is like, if you're in like, it's period right now where it's like your off season, I know for you, Drew, it's not, but for a lot of people out there, it's like their off season. If you're not really doing specific workouts, if you're just kind of generally trying to maintain fitness, um, I think it's fine to not look at power. Like, you know, it's not really that big of a deal if you're going a little bit, you know, too hard in your endurance rides, you're not doing intervals anyways. So like you're, you know, for the most part, you're, you're not stressing your nervous system all that much. So like, it's okay to just kind of take your mind away from the power meter and just maybe look at speed or, um, or just duration or distance or something. Um, but not really worry too much about performance because you kind of need that break from, tracking all those metrics and analyzing those metrics while you're riding to just go out and just free ride and, and have some fun and, and enjoy being on the bike. Um, but the rest, I mean, even, even for those rides though, I'd still prefer that my athletes have power, um, and, and be tracking in the background than, you know, than just throw it out altogether. Like for sure, as a coach, like I would always prefer an athlete at least have their power meter functioning in the background. Yeah. I even get a little bummed when heart rate isn't even on there. Um, because, I like always look at power and heart rate and how the two interact with each other as like throughout a workout is like, Oh, if you like, you know, if if your heart rate spiked on your third interval, but that was also like your best interval. And that makes sense. You know, I just like to see how your body is reacting to the power you're putting out. If you take out the heart rate then, and you're just looking at the power, all I can see is like, Oh, good workout. Like the power looked good. But if your heart rate was high or low, I can't see like, what was your, like, how much effort did you put in to actually hit those numbers? Like if your heart rate is really low, but you're hitting some really good numbers, well, then that tells me, dang, like maybe you're fitter than what we thought you were and we need to like increase your FTP or or maybe you're fatigued or something. Um, so yeah, I, I even get bummed when heart rate isn't on there as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, so I, I didn't race with heart rate this past weekend. Um, I, I bet I've been dealing with like some, some heart issues for, well, like started last year, but like, it's been bugging me again this fall. Um, and wearing the heart rate strap feels like constricting. Um, so like I wear it for training, but like it was the last race of the season and I really didn't care like what happened after that. So like I, I didn't wear it cause it was just more comfortable to go without it. And like, I am kind of bummed because it would have been cool to like, look back and like overlay heart rate onto the power file. Like I hit all these great numbers, but it'd be cool to see like, was my heart rate through the roof? Um, and like, fortunately, like I felt really good. So like, I, you know, I I didn't deal with any of those, those heart palpitations or whatever that I've been experiencing. Um, but who knows, maybe if I was wearing my heart rate strap, I would have felt constricted or whatever. Um, so it's kind of hard to say, but I I wish that I did have that heart rate data at least, um, that I could at least go back and look at, but luckily it was the last race this season. So kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. I think the only other thing that I wanted to mention was, um, I always like the, like, maybe I'm tooting my own horn here, but I do those cool videos. And I think that that is like, I'm trying to convince every ignition coach to start doing these. If they don't, if they don't do a weekly call, they should be doing this in my opinion, where it's like a 10 or 12 minute video. And all I do is I pull up an athlete's training peaks and I go through the first half of the video is me going back and analyzing their 
last block of training. So if they just did a three week block of VO2, I'm going in and clicking on those workouts and kind of just giving them a quick run through of like, Oh, this looks good. And I'm looking at their power. So like, basically I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm analyzing their power, but I'm doing it with the record button on so that the athlete can just see and hear me thinking through, Oh, and like, it's, it's just like I'm opening up my brain to them for 15 minutes. And so I'm going to do that regardless. So might as well just do it out loud. And so that they can hear me think through as I analyze their data. And then for the second half of the video, I explain to them why they're doing the training that they're doing for the next block of training that's coming up. And again, like I'm not scripting these, I'm just pressing record and talking and like thinking, just explaining to them why I did why I'm putting certain workouts on certain days. And uh, I think that's been super helpful. I think that definitely like increases i mean obviously like probably increases retention like athletes really like that they see that i'm analyzing their data it's not like i'm just blindly putting in workouts and this is like a a physical way that they can see it's a hard proof that they know i'm i'm doing what what they are hiring me to do whereas i think a lot of athletes get into this of like oh i don't even know if my coach looks at my power data um and if you know if there's no communication about the power data then then that that would be an easy assumption to make even if they are looking at the power data so this is like an easy way to to bridge that barrier um and then also it probably just increases their likelihood of like actually doing the workouts because now they know why they have to do them and how they can improve so i've I've definitely liked doing it i've been doing that for every athlete usually only like once a month um but i've been doing that for years now and have had nothing but like positive feedback from that yep yeah, absolutely. I can personally attest to that. Those videos are super helpful. Drew used to be my coach for those who are listening. Yeah, um, I won't exactly take for his like uh, highest power ever though, because that was he's with a new coach now. So I'll give that guy <laughs> set, set the foundation though. Um, all right, any anything else you want to add as far as power data analysis goes, or you, you want to wrap this up? No, nah, I think that's it. I'm, I think we hit the nail on the head. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks. We'll catch you next week. For sure. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go. Let's go.